Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, November 28th, 2021. Hi, everybody. I'm John Vanderbilt. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady. Thanks for tuning in today to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. Hello there. It's go time. A lot of great questions today. Mm-hmm. Great message. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Good job on Revelation. It's Thank done. Mm-hmm. It is finished. <laughs> I feel like, um, like you could go in Revelation. Like you said to me at the at the end, you're like, I could. I'll do this again in like 10 years and yeah, we'll go the next layer down and the next I'll, layer down. I will. I'll, I'll come back in five or 10 years and I'll dig a little deeper. And it was a nice first pass for me as a preacher. And yeah. um, there's a lot that didn't get said. I, f- I feel like when you, when you're about to read in like when you're in grad school and you're about to read like this, like hundred page, somebody's brief, the- and brief, <laughs> like a thesis paper or something. And then there's like this paragraph at the top the executive summary that tells you like everything that's going to be in there and like points out the highlights. I felt like that's, that was a little bit of like what five yeah. weeks in revelation gets you right. Yeah. Get, or however many weeks we, we were. did 10. S- thank you. <laughs> 12. Actually we did 12. I did 10 and you did. And Grant did oh two. yeah. Cause we kind of mm-hmm. looped back again. But, um, yeah. I felt like that's a little bit like you, if you want to know all the, the, the stats, the de- you know, you yeah. got to read the whole yeah. paper, but to get the, what God was teaching us what we are to learn from it it's like man we we got a, a good um executive summary i don't want to no, belittle what fine. you did no it's great you I, did a I, lot of hard work you on could it. go for years in that book absolutely and i think they're going for a whole year in our adult ed program discussing it oh so. that's good i have i've never i mean all my years being in church and christian whatever i've never had a revelation series preached to me oh wow ever huh I don't know why. Yeah, I grew up in the South in the Southern Baptist, and they it was a it was a, a preferred landing spot for so many preachers. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, charts and definitely, graphs, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Definitely had like takeaway or like yeah. you know, hey, we're going to talk about this church of the seven churches, but never a one through twenty-two or twenty-one chapters. Yeah, twenty-two. Twenty-two chapters. Um, through it. Mm-hmm. So, in oh, in your Kelly, cool. in your experience growing up with that, was that like? like fundamentalist preachers talking about current events tied into revelation. Yes. Predictions about the return of Christ. Right. Right. The Apache helicopters are the grasshoppers or locusts (laughs) swarming. And yeah. Yeah. They kind of do look like grasshoppers, don't they? All right. You want to get into some questions? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. How do you, how do you experience the presence of God? Are there practices, habits, or mindsets that help? Unfortunately, my faith tends to be so much head knowledge and not enough heart belief or experience. So on Sunday, I had talked about the best prep for heaven is to increasingly enjoy the presence of God here. And the best prep for hell is to distance yourself from God. Hmm. And um, I, frankly, I could have spent a lot more time there. And um, sometimes it's a challenge in preaching to get to the the takeaway. Um, so... Uh, for me, it really ministered to me to think about the presence of God is available now, and it will be fully enjoyed then, and, and how can I, what can I be doing to more fully enjoy the presence of God? And I wanted to, um, to recommend a book. It's one of the best books I've ever read, um, and there are, are several that could be recommended. Um, Brother Lawrence wrote a book. It's a classic of Christianity, and it is tiny, short. It's called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. You can get it on Amazon. It's in its gazillionth printing. And I wrote it when I was 18. I read it, sorry. <laughs> I did not write it. I <laughs> read it. it for a second. <laughs> that was awesome. I read it when I was 18. And uh, again, it's titled Practicing the Presence of God. And then there's another book, um, The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. Have you guys ever read yeah. that? 
It's hmm, good. It's a good book. I, there was actually uh, I wrote a curriculum around the book, which I've since lost. That was a, a long time ago. But it's a great book. It's an introduction to the spiritual disciplines, and it's basically John Ortberg again. Again, the title is "The Life You Always Wanted." John Ortberg interpreting Dallas Willard. Okay. So Dallas Willard was a, a professor at USC, a phenomenologist. Uh, philosophy professor, and he kind of in lay, uh, he wrote academic books about spiritual disciplines, how to draw closer to God. Uh, but it, his books are a little bit hard to work through. Uh, Willard was uh, a mentor of Ortberg's, and so Ortberg wrote this "The Life You've Always Wanted," kind of a uh, um, idiot's guide to spiritual disciplines for those who can't or don't want to read Dallas Willard. So. Anyway, it's really accessible, really engaging, great stories, great applications. I'd highly recommend it. And it's, it's one of the ways that we can engage habits, mindsets, practices that help us experience better the presence of God. And uh, so, any it's a good recommendation. Any books y'all recommend? I'm looking it up Sacred it, Rhythms. Sacred rhythm. I wanted to get the name right. Haley Ruth, Barton? Yeah, Ruth yeah. Haley Barton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like this one. We read this as a staff at Naomi's house um, because it goes through all di- all the spiritual disciplines. And you just, like personality types too, you resonate more so with some than others in terms of what helps you connect with the presence of God. So that's one that I recommend because it's kind of an overview of a, a lot of different spiritual disciplines yeah. in terms mm-hmm. of what, you know, what works for you and your personality and the way your brain's wired. It's, it's really good. I really like that one. What's the name again? Sacred Rhythms. Good. Yeah, I mean, spiritual discipline books. Francis Schaeffer's book mm-hmm. is a good one. Um, Richard Foster. Yeah, Richard Foster. Um, I was thinking, too, like, um, who's the author that... Um, Tozer. Mm. Has some good books. Knowing God. Knowing God, yeah. Isn't there one, the, the Holy attributes or presence of God or something like that. Man, we are really like hacking book <laughs> Anyway, you hey, can yeah, read you, a book. You wrote this book. <laughs> read a book. Well, well actually, I wanted, like, to, I wanted to bring this up. So the question asker is saying, unfortunately, my faith tends to be so much head knowledge <laughs> and our prescription <laughs> yeah. here is, hey, read there's some books. great books. All right. deep so theologians. Let's, let's move to... Books that like, have to be the, interpreted by other people. These are, but the design... Of, yeah, right. The design of these books is to take it from your head and put it into mm. practice. Mm-hmm. I, that's what we're offering. Right. To Matt's point, a lot yeah. of people make the mistake of just, just reading, reading the book, book and not mm-hmm. doing what Never it says. All right, yeah. so activities. Knowledge of the Holy by Tozer is a, great, is a great book to help with this. There are some uh, things to do, hmm. Matt's point here. There are some practices that just, man, really uh, low-hanging fruit that are particularly helpful for suburbanites. Uh, first and foremost, fasting, going without food. We are fat and happy in suburbia. Lots of food, everything we want at our fingertips. Uh, solitude. Uh, we are um, surrounded by community. We move to suburbia for community. We relish community, and community is great. We don't get alone. We don't, by and large, we're never alone. We're scared to be alone. Silence. So if you read any books on the spiritual disciplines, silence, solitude, fasting, and then the fourth one is simplicity. Hmm. By that I mean, how many pairs of shoes can we own? Oh. Why is he looking at me? <laughs> Dang, look at me Lots too. of people uh, have, these pro- have this problem, have these issues, right? Simplicity. It's like jackets. Some people really into coats. I have lots of coats, yes. It's true. Careful over there. Issue. <laughs> Judge Judy. So, simplicity, and, and that's just saying no to the, to the, the sport of conspicuous consumption so something that um we do again at work for naomi's house once you reach year four in terms of how long you've been on our staff you're given a 24-hour day off that you don't have to use vacation for and you get a budget and you can go to a hotel and you get a 24-hour day and the, the, the purpose and we actually got it from the book sacred rhythms it's, a, it's meant to be a day of, of prayer and fasting, silence and solitude. And it, you have to prepare for it. You have to go into it knowing I am entering into this 24 hours in order to meet with God. And 
I've only done it once, so I'm feeling like, ooh, I should do this again. Um, but I stayed in a hotel by myself. I didn't bring anything to do, hmm. and I was quiet. I didn't call anybody. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't turn the TV on. How'd and it that was, go? I mean, it's challenging. <laughs> it's really yeah, challenging. But I had my Bible and my journal, and um, I don't know, I probably slept a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, it's a, it's a challenging um, experiment is the word I want to say, but but exercise really. And so we know we believe in it so much that we send our staff to do it after they've been with us for a certain amount of time. So as a reward, as a gift, like this is to refresh your soul. So it's, I think you're onto something. It's so hard to pull away, to not have a screen, not have a phone, not have community because it makes us feel good. But the spiritual disciplines are typically divided into two types. There's uh, disciplines of engagement and then disciplines of disengagement. Mm. And so they're both active, but the, the point is the engagement, are, these are activities by which we're, we're pursuing Christ, setting our minds and hearts on Christ. And the disengagement uh, activities are those we're withdrawing from the blessings of God. So uh, in order to to make sure those blessings haven't become an idol. So fasting is a, a is a discipline of disengaging from food. Simplicity, uh, disengaging from conspicuous consumption and, and materialism, solitude, silence. Uh, again, disengaging from the community the, and the blessing community is supposed to be, but it can quickly become an idol for us and can, the noise can be so loud by the good of community that we have trouble hearing the voice of God and mm-hmm. connecting with God. Mm-hmm. We used to require um, semi-annual, it might have been quarterly, uh, prayer retreats of our staff. Yeah. We stopped doing it because um, requi- it's a little bit like requiring people to pray. If you have to require it, I'm not sure they should be on staff. Mm. But at the same time, I like the notion of blessing staff. Staff are free here to take paid time and go get away in prayer mm-hmm. and overnights and mm-hmm. absolutely. So I, I, it reminds me that I, we need to be reminding one another that's valuable to get that done. Yeah. I experienced God yesterday in the second service during song. Mm. Like, I, I felt the presence of God uniquely in second service. I did too. And it was it was really sweet, and uh, it was um, I was able to disconnect from uh, your jobby job from the yeah like I wasn't <laughs> thinking about the band or the sound or like I was truly it was one of the most freeing mm. times I've had so far. Great. Usually there's some sort of brain space like mm-hmm. okay you know the mix sounds pretty good okay can you turn that up a little bit or whatever. Um, but no, it was good, and, and it just I've just felt God's presence pretty strongly in in, um, in a specific way uh, in the room. So you raise that. Uh, uh, one of the disciplines of engagement is, I believe, to sing and do it loudly. Mm. Um, d- engagement, it, it could be prayer, scripture reading, meditation, memorization of scripture. So I love it that you brought up, Matt, that you sensed the presence of God in the congregation's singing. Yes. It, and that should be the case. Yeah. And I was singing as well. Like I, it yeah. wasn't me just watching and observing and, you know, to be clear, like I, I experienced it also while leading for mm-hmm. sure. There's, yeah. you definitely get that but the, sense, but it's just different. It was just different being off the platform. Mm-hmm. It was experienced in more of a, um, I, I, I say from the platform for me, when those moments happen, it's, it's kind of observational. Mm-hmm. You know, in a sense, and in yesterday it felt more. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It it's felt more story. ministering, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so. Maybe because I felt included in it, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But it felt like God's care was being poured over. That's, I love that um, the congregation. So, at, so for me, it's like, how do you experience the presence of God? Like, well, that's that's one one way. Like, right, yeah, come to service, absolutely. come to church. I should also participate. Do y'all see the movie Chariots of Fire? Long time Old ago. Movie. Long time ago, yeah. Um, about an Olympian whose name I'm... Eric Little? Yeah. And so um, he, he talked about how he knew the joy of the Lord in his running. Yes. When I, so it doesn't when I run, to, I feel God's pleasure. You're right. Yeah. It doesn't have to yeah. be the classical spiritual disciplines, reading scripture, praying, although those are rich and proven. It may be a walk in the woods. 
I mean, solitude for you may, may mean getting out in the woods, being alone. I, I often sense the Lord's presence in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked last week about imagination, right? We talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, engaging your imagination. Mm-hmm. Someone was um, having an issue with that, with that idea, right? Yeah, like, right. You know. Yeah. And I, I will does imagine. Does that help you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, to so experience I, the presence of God. So, yes, absolutely. So I'll actually take a walk in the woods and imagine Jesus walking with mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I know he's with me. I know his spirit's with me. Why can't I imagine that? Mm-hmm. Anybody watch the uh, Truman Show last night? <laughs> did you? <laughs> Our kid, I didn't watch it did with them. Like but it? Yeah, did they you, like, did they like it? can we watch the Truman Show? It's funny. In our house, we have a very, uh, just a little peek into the mm-hmm. Vanderbilt home. We have a very difficult time picking movies sure. that everybody can watch because we have a decent age span. Yeah. Not, not huge. It's, so it's not really about the content. It's more about what people like. Interest. And, and then it turns into like, they picked and, oh, they're so mad that someone picked that one. And it's just like movie drama. I don't dra- want to watch It's that. just like movie yeah. drama. It's like, ah, oh, every time they're going to watch a movie, it's a nightmare. So they, all the, the younger three, the older two were at uh, youth group last night. They were like, can we watch the Truman Show? Pastor Kelly said it was good. And they all sat down. They all watched it together. So Carrie and I were like, can we just tell Kelly to recommend movies? Movies create a lot of peace right. in our home. Right. Did they well, enjoy it? They did, yeah. yeah. They did. They it, thought it wasn't as quite as funny as they thought. So more the, drama. When you say um, comedy yeah. to them, Slapstick. or when an adult says comedy to you know, 12 and 13, 14, they think, ha, 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 in a different yeah. kind of comedy. Yeah. They did like it, though. They yep. enjoyed it. They thought it was very interesting. And when you think about the, they've grown up in the reality TV world. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is like... It's not foreign to them. Yeah, I mean, one of them was like, it's not a true story, right? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, like, not, not, at, not after right, they right, watched right. it, but as we right. were like watching the trailer right. and introing it, they were like, this isn't a true story, right? Because yeah. like, in their mind, they think, well, that could totally happen to somebody. Mm-hmm. That happens right. all the time on TV. Right, right. So, Did, um, so when you mentioned that, you know, Jennifer Lee Newman, she was like, is, is that... Is that movie completely age appropriate? Like for a four year old or a seven year old? I don't it, know. Is there I anything? didn't want it. It's PG, so I'm sure remember. there's some. I don't know that it would appeal to a four year old. Yeah, they, not, right. Yeah. I think it. I think the the type of story it is is probably to to get it, understand, it, engage with it. You got to be in the you remember ju- the junior high age. Right. Okay, gotcha. It's just kind of like do you, just a quick aside here. Um, have you guys ever been to where they filmed that at Seaside? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, so we go there every year. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Oh, cool. It's uh, picturesque. Like, yeah. The, it's yeah. just the, the houses are all little, and but people really mm-hmm. live there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what east of uh, Destin. Destin. Yeah. And um, yeah, just a fun little spot. You talk about age appropriateness of a movie. It, it reminds me of a funny uh, experience with my family. We we love the movie. What about what about Bob? Oh yeah. yeah. So we thought, hey kids, let's watch this funny movie. And our girls. Were scared. <laughs> Bob's trauma mm-hmm. traumatized mm-hmm. our girls. Mm-hmm. They were both crying. Like, it's, what's wrong with him? <laughs> we watched that movie. As if, that's a family favorite for us. For, I, same here at the Helpins. Everybody to our loves kids that too movie. Early, yeah, they and didn't quite like, get what was going on. What's wrong with this man? It's funny. It's a good one. It gets, it gets, <laughs> it gets intense it at the end. It does. We watched it as a, a, like in a big group with a bunch of different families the first time my kids saw it. And I'm kind of looking around <laughs> to see, like, is anybody, anybody going to come undone? And they, you could see, like, just wide eyes. <laughs> like, he's burning things down. Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Baby steps. <Yeah. laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, second question here. If our bodies are raised in the resurrection and the new heaven is a physical reality, what will experience in death until what will we experience in death until the resurrection? That's a great question. question. And um, I don't think that the Bible tells us what our physical experience will be between our death and the new heavens and the new earth. So the presence of God is what we will experience. So the question is, what will we experience? And Scripture does say we will experience the presence of God, although the Bible doesn't say what the state of our bodily experience will be. We know that we'll experience the presence of God because as Jesus said to the thief on the cross today, you'll be with me in paradise. And Paul said to be absent from the body that is dead is to be present with the Lord. So we know that we'll be with the Lord, but we don't have clarity on 
will we be embodied but not uh, having a fully glorified body and so we're it, silent on that yeah have you guys thought about that before wrote a paper on it i think really yeah, yeah. i i have a i just don't you don't yeah. You and I have talked about this before, yeah. I think, yeah. at some point. I'm like, man, I just don't ever think about he- heaven. Hmm. Like, I'm not, I, this sounds, I, maybe I'm weird. I love the idea of heaven. I love the thought of going to heaven when, I when die. it happens, you'll be gung-ho. Yeah, but I, I'm not a Christian because I get to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people. I think that's important. I yeah. think mm-hmm. a lot of people, I mean, that was kind of a message, yeah, like, like for mm-hmm. a lot of us in this kind of age group. It's like. Yeah, don't go to hell. Yeah, like, do you know hell. what you're going to be when you die? And I was like, like how about, like, do you want to be part of a great life? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, and so I kind of, I think I kind of pushed against a lot of that in my early faith development years. And so now it's like, whenever people want to talk about heaven, I'm like, let's not talk about heaven. It doesn't matter. You know, like, so I'm probably curmudgeon on it. It sounds terrible, but, but I, I just don't think about, um, the, the, what, what my body will be like and what the experience will be like. And what you know, I agree with everything you said on Sunday. It was largely encouraging to me to think about and to to think yeah that's that's going to be incredible and i and and i i long for that experience at one level but man there's just so much that's right in front of me in the day-to-day well in the, the ventures are started yeah I, I, we're living with christ now agreed yes and the, the kingdom of god is is advancing we're a part of that that's that excites me mm-hmm. and and so i think the questions about heaven, I, I, we were talking with somebody after service, right? And they, they were like, they had all these questions mm-hmm. and it, they felt like these big questions. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. I've never thought about it. I yeah. literally never thought about it. I was thinking a lot about um, the, the person who was longing for heaven because life today is so hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and good. That yeah. My mother-in-law was sitting next to me and um, I don't know how much I've shared publicly, but my father-in-law. This so is Anthony, pretty public, just letting you know. Right. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about all three people who listen. <laughs> um, my father-in-law is suffering from a very severe case of dementia. And oh, so from so kind of zero hard. to 60, he Whoa. has lost ability to talk and he's losing, he doesn't look like he'll be walking for much longer. It's a really aggressive type that impacts the front of his brain. So his brain is shrinking. It's called frontal yeah. temporal dementia. Yeah. It's a yeah. rare form of it. And, um, so this is really difficult. This whole season is really difficult with my mother-in-law. And she was with us for Thanksgiving, probably the first Thanksgiving she's spent without her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, they met when they were 15 and 16, got married at 19 and 20, and she's only 64. And my father-in-law's birthday is tomorrow. He turned 66. Super young, like way too young yeah. to be suffering. Anyway, so I was thinking about her and... The, how encouraging the message was to her to think, I mean, I didn't know this until she just spent the last 10 days with us that she has been planning Mike's funeral. And I didn't Mm. know that she hadn't really talked about it. She's a private person anyway. So I was proud of her for taking Mm. some of those steps and thinking beyond just the moment because it's been so overwhelming to her. And I just was like, this has got to be an encouraging message to her Mm. to know that um, we think that Mike's a believer and my, my father-in-law. And so for her to have this faith that literally his body is wasting away mm-hmm. and to know that the next season for him is this, this, this beautiful presence of God full mm-hmm. of worship and all the other Physical things you described. Too. Physical right? too, exactly. Yeah. Like that, if you, that's all she has to hold on to mm-hmm. because this is an awful way to lose somebody yeah. um, beyond, beyond awful. So, um, my father died at 66 mm. with dementia. Oh, yeah. I knew he died young, but I didn't yeah. realize it was dementia. Well. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I think about, um, I think, uh, I think about it a lot. I, I remember um, like when I first became a Christian and then when I found out that the new heavens and the new earth were here and physical and a reality and not ethereal heaven. I just had always grown up and I grew up with Catholic background and then had no church for a lot and just always thought about heaven in ethereal terms. And then when I was trying to wrap my mind around like, wait, what? That's not, I'm not right. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's so, it's funny for me. I, I think a lot about the science of it, like mm-hmm. what has to happen in, in physical nature and, and in space, like what has to happen for the earth to harbor those 
because the earth is not going to be the earth as we know it. Right. The old things are going to pass away. Right, yeah. right. And so does that mean the sun is gone? Does that mean, I mean, the sun can't be there forever. Right. Right? Like eventually something's going to happen. But and in I, Revelation 21, he said the sun's not needed or the moon. Mm. Exactly. Right. And so that's you know somewhat addressed, I guess, yeah. in a sense. But I often think about it like that. Like, wow, what transformation must the world have to take on and the mm. things around it that affect the world in order for that to be true? Mm-hmm. And it just... A nuclear holocaust is what we're all facing. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, they talked about the end. It was always this Cold War. Russia's sure. going to bring the entire world to an end. They're going to drop bombs, blah, blah, blah. So anyway. Hey, John, I loved what you had, what you, it reminded me what, what you just said about, you know, living with Christ now and enjoying Christ and being on mission now. You haven't spent a lot of time thinking about heaven and and the blessings of heaven really don't motivate you. The presence of God is something you're enjoying. Now, do y'all remember the the old method or a fairly popular method of sharing Christ is is opening with the question, if you were to die mm-hmm. tonight... Yeah, where would you be? Where would you spend eternity? Yeah. And I had someone, I don't know where I saw this, say to me, what does Jesus have to offer to anyone who's not going to die tonight? Right. <laughs> and, man, I... He is the the wisest way to live now, and and the blessing of tomorrow in the eternity, the, the, and, the joy and the hope and the encouragement and the strength through all of life's mm-hmm. brutal, <laughs> painful experiences and struggles, mm-hmm. the the ability to to serve and um, persevere, and yeah, and yeah. and be a part of a, a mission and a movement that's you know. I mean that that stuff. I feel like that's the more compelling evangelistic sure. tool, right? Like, yeah. but I guess I would say too, like in the most loving way I could. Um, man, you're 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 totally fooling yourself if you're saying you don't need Jesus, and you're saying that you're you're whole and you're complete without Him. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're if you're trying to convince me that you're going to walk out of here and live your life and nothing's going to be missing and yeah. you're not going to be hollow somewhere in your heart, like I know that's the whole Jesus wholehearted thing. Yeah, but right. but just saying like there's truth in that. I wouldn't word it that way, but you know there's truth in that. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, yeah, man, like life is hard and there's lots of things that are complex, but I can honestly say that, um, that I, I'm not looking for anything, um, on a cosmic level anymore. Mm -hmm. And I once was, Mm -hmm. and I was, and I was Mm -hmm. filling it with a lot of crap Yeah, and that, and that part of my life is now gone. And so knowing that is really powerful. Like mm-hmm. I, cause yeah, I don't know how like you can walk with Jesus now. What does that mean to someone who doesn't know Jesus? Like, that sounds weird. Right. What, are you, what am I going to go for walks in the wood and imagine him <laughs> with me? Like that's weirdos. Do that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know for me, if you told me like that thing that you've been looking for, yeah, that thing that is just getting at you yeah. every second of the day, that's just there like a splinter in your mind. Yeah. Right. Like the matrix. Yeah. That gets... <laughs> It's, it's there. It's yeah. a, it is the splinter in your mind. Right. It's there, nagging constantly at yeah. you that something is off and wrong and missing. Yeah, I've heard people talk about um, the experience of feeling like they're just a zombie walking through yeah. the world, and they're just they don't have a hope, a center, a, a purpose, a meaning. It's like, yep. yeah, I've got lots of money, but golly, I have no. Yeah, why am I here? Why I have no hope. I have no reason. I have no, no, no purpose. Right, and I think that speaks. That can really speak to someone when you say, "Because you're missing Jesus," mm-hmm. versus, "Do you know when you're gonna where you're gonna be tonight if you die?" Right. It's like <laughs> some people are going, "I hope I do die." Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. Do you want hope to, to to get rid of that feeling in your life? Well, let me talk to you about Jesus. Let me, you know. Yeah. Anyway. All right, let's go to the next one. I have a hard time believing the literal description of heaven, all the jewels and pearls. Isn't this more of a metaphor for beauty? Yeah, it is. I wouldn't take it literally. That's why there's so many jokes about heaven's streets of gold and pearly gates, right? Uh, You know, the guy that walks through the pearly gates with arms full of gold and someone asks him, why'd you bring the pavement? (laughs) So I I wouldn't take it literally. (laughs) Never heard that joke. I've never heard that either. That's hilarious. (laughs) I, I wouldn't take it literally. I think it, the takeaway is that it's going to be stunningly beautiful. It's exquisitely designed. 
it will blow our minds. It's beyond our conception. Paul uh, references his being caught up to the third heaven in Second Corinthians chapter 12. And he says he, he saw things that are inexpressible, cannot be communicated. Mm-hmm. So just I, I think John is trying to talk about the exquisite, stunning beauty. Yeah. And these are things in that context. I mean, they, they, they blow our minds, but sure. in that context, in the people he's writing to. Yeah, imagine you know, a singular and, pearl. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> what? I mean, these are people on the Mediterranean right. Sea, you know, thinking a single pearl that's that big? It's a big clam. That's only something God can do. So. Yeah. And I mean, gold is one of our most precious resources. Right. And we're going to walk on it. Right. Like, it's not not because it's beautiful or what right. I, that's how I've always mm. interpreted that. Right. It's like, it's, so, it's mundane. <laughs> exactly. In comparison. Yeah. You're right, right, right. The most beautiful thing we have is going to be underneath our feet. <laughs> yeah. Next one. Pretty straightforward, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. Mark here we go. So, <laughs> so Simone's going to handle this one. <laughs> yep. This one's for you. <laughs> so uh, if, as you say, the best parts of our experience in this world are a foretaste of what lies ahead, will there be sex in heaven? Did you talk about sex at the service? I yes, did. you did. <laughs> once making a joke because your kids were in was service. Fun, was it fun sitting next to your mother-in-law <laughs> for that part? Service? And your elementary age daughter. Seven, that was great. Our seven-year-old looked up <laughs> and, right. and asked, Mom, what's sex? Mm. And, then, and then something happened. He got sidetracked and totally forgot. Yeah. Phew. I was like, okay. I think and that's Until he brought it back up. <laughs> I, I want to know did someone actually ask this question are yes. you okay because yeah. you you teased the yes yeah, yeah. I tried to get podcast yeah. listeners yeah. increase by <laughs> sex sells sex sells yeah great then, then we well, got to put like the explicit warning on this podcast before no, I don't think this is people listening in their kitchen while their kids are doing homework <laughs> well we had we had the kids in the service yesterday yeah we did. Oh, that's right. There was no. So to element- this, I will say. Yeah, there's no. I'm elementary. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I made a mistake and forgot they were on the <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there will certainly be physical intimacy in heaven, and there will be male and female in heaven, as best as I can discern. But as for sexual intercourse, I don't think so. I think there will be physical contact by which we express love and affection. But that doesn't necessarily include intercourse. I think we can all understand that. Remember, there's a lot of physical contact that isn't explicitly intended to lead to sexual intercourse. Uh, You wouldn't be able to tell that by popular culture. Um, (laughs) It seems that everything is sexualized in our culture. Hugs, hand-holding, kissing. But the truth is, hugs and even hand-holding, even kissing, can be an expression of affection that can be offered without the desire for intercourse. I have alluded to before being in Africa and in in the nation Rwanda, I was in uh, men, grown men held hands in Rwanda and there was no sexualization of it. There was no um, connotation that this was having to do with intercourse. And so do that in Istanbul. They they lock, they lock arms, men lock arms and walk together side by side. Frankly, the American male culture is, is really uncomfortable and I think it, it harms us. I think we should be more comfortable with physical affection among adult males. Don't look at me that way, John. <laughs> I just... <laughs> so many jokes, so little time. All right, as for sexual intercourse, I don't believe it'll, it'll be something that's experienced in heaven, and, and I want to say why. First of all, remember, biblical, biblically, sexual intercourse is supposed to take place only during the covenant bond of marriage, and we know that there'll be no marriage in heaven, according to Matthew chapter 22. So I find it hard to believe that there'll be sexual intercourse in heaven. However, I do believe that the best relational outcomes of sexual intercourse will be experienced in heaven. So there's some other kind of connection or connections we already know will have their true redeemed Value. Yeah, I think the, so the appetite for intercourse, in part, I think the appetites for intercourse in our culture are, are deeply broken right now. But I think that the, the God-given desire for intercourse will give way to a, a more robust expression that leads to relational intimacy. 
In fact, I believe that sexual union between a married man and woman are designed to point to a better, more robust, eternal union in heaven with our Savior Christ. That's why the church is called the bride and Christ is called the groom, is that there is this union awaiting us and this relational intimacy awaiting us in eternity that's far better uh, than what we're experiencing here uh, in the, inside the best marriage. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. What do y'all think? I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I um, I, I would. I mean, I've heard some people say when they've talked about like what what is their marriage in heaven, and then there's their sex in heaven, and those sorts of things. They talk about there's no need for procreation, which is sort of the other part of sexual intercourse is mm-hmm. is is procreation. And so, if there's an intimate connection that's able to, to what you're explaining. Yeah. Um, the desires for that kind of intimacy and connection will be fulfilled in a, in a true or another way. The other side of it is is there's no procreation as well. So there's an, you can rule it out as an activity that will happen. But I don't know if that adds value. It's just what I've heard. That's Simone? <laughs> I, I, I can't say anything. <laughs> It would be different if I wasn't sitting here with three men. So, yeah. But I, I mean, what you said made sense. What, um, what about like, uh, so if you were previously married and your spouse passed away and like, if you're, who will you have intimate connection with in heaven? With anybody? I don't know. Yeah. And, and again, we want to make on. sure. We How do distinguish- you mean you don't know? Where are the answers? <laughs> yeah, they're not there. <laughs> but Jesus was asked this question. About no, he was right. He oh. said, "Who will be the, hu- the who husband? Who will be the wife?" Right, 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 right. Yeah. It was it was a story of uh, uh, um, someone who had been married multiple times. Right. Yeah. Right. They were trying. They were just trying to trap him. But yeah. I, I don't want to digress. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we don't know. So your answer. I mean, it's just a lot of mystery. We just we yeah. There's things that we know that aren't completely detailed out in scripture or mm-hmm. in. Our experience. It's interesting how the Mormon church handles this Mm. and how bankrupt is the theology of the Mormon church Mm. um, talking about eternal unions when the the clear teaching of scripture is that will not be given in marriage, Matthew chapter 22. Um, There is a polygamy that is endorsed eternally Mm. in Mormon theology Mm -hmm. um, that just doesn't serve women well mm-hmm. in this world. Um, yeah. I, it, it helps me to think about um, what relationships would be like truly, and I, I think you talked about it a little bit in your sermon, um, with all sin gone, all sinful motivations, mm-hmm. all sinful imaginations, all sinful thoughts gone, and then trying to imagine what a relationship would be like with somebody. If I were completely selfless, how different would my marriage mm-hmm. be? Like, mm-hmm. but I, I, to me, it's almost like, well, the intimacy thing is, it's, it's all-encompassing in that. Like, mm-hmm. they, I, 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 would, I don't know that I would have a, the desire, if, if there were truly no sinful barriers between us, I don't know I would, if that there would be any intimate desires. You've heard the joke, right, I, by Twain? I think it was Mark Twain that said, everything is about sex. Except sex. It's about power. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that. So, uh, to your point, it, it, would, it would change all levels of intimacy if, if we were so, truly selfless. Like, I can't even grasp it, mm-hmm. right? Like, right? But I'm just wondering if the, the desire, the, would desire, would, would that even be? Would desire even exist? I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I have no answers. I'm just, the, you know. the desire for relational intimacy would certainly exist. I, I think the, or would it just be though? Would right. you and like, I in heaven, it's fulfilled. You and, like you and I in heaven, it would be like, let's say we, you know, I just know you and we're in heaven uh, and new heavens, new earth. And I, I, I'm so excited to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so nervous. I'm like, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just, I just hold hands on the golden street. <laughs> 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 I'm more of a lock arms in Istanbul type of guy. We did try it, by the way. It was it was still weird. I wish it wouldn't work. We lived in Africa weird. for a year. I hold, held so many guys' hands, and you just get used to it. Yeah, yeah. it's and just was there value? Of, was there value in it? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't weird me. I, it didn't weird me out. 
It did. I mean, culturally, it just like, yeah. I mean, I'd fly, I, I flew into the airport and friends I hadn't seen who were my Zambian friends, they're, you know, they're carrying my bags and when we're holding hands and they did, I mean, it's just a, a way to say we're friends and we're connected and come over here and sh- yeah. let me show you this. And it's not like a, a necessarily a long, like drawn out. It's not like a couple skate and roller at the roller rink when you were a kid, you know, you're holding somebody's <laughs> hand, it's getting all nasty and sweaty and you're nervous. <laughs> it's just like a way to say, Hey, we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. I think your thoughts are, are helpful, Kelly. I do think a lot of people wonder about the details of heaven and any guidance we can we can give is is helpful. So yeah, I love this. Simone's going to say something. <laughs> the only, if we if I, we linger on this topic long enough, she, she that's will my intention. find the that's courage. My, and it's been my intention. Let me say one more thing. Before dragging Simone. this on a little bit. Yeah, just trying to bait her. <laughs> she started the question with "I'm blushing." <laughs> hey, let me let me throw a wrench in what I feel is just. It just, uh, David said of Jonathan, so King David said of Jonathan, Saul's son, your, your love for me was more wondrous than the love of women. And I, I think there is a, an intimacy um, relationally that can be known um, in that much of Western civilization, uh, probably global, I mean, I, all I know is Western really, but just misses out on because we have sexualized almost mm-hmm. all, well, almost all physical contact. Hmm. And we just, we don't know how to express affection in in. We just, we feel we're told everything is sexual and leads to intercourse. And so we, we hold back on some of the most common and kind expressions of love. Anyway. Well, yeah. I, the only thing I'm thinking is that I can't, obviously cannot speak for every woman, but most women think about sex differently than most men. So I don't know that there's a lot of women who are even asking this question. However, the, um, the heart of it, I think, is what you're addressing. And that is something I think, generally speaking, women are longing and, and are drawn to. And you said it yesterday. I was looking up to get the exact quote, um, which I don't know if it's exact, exactly what I wrote, but whether it's right. Um, the blessing of our creator is fully restored when we're in heaven. Is that what you said? Something, Sounds great. Something, something along those lines. Um, <laughs> that we experience God fully in his, we fully experience God and, and no other, like we will never have that experience and yet up until heaven. And so I think that is what I can relate to in this conversation about this, this longing of the purest form of intimacy and how we receive that on this side of heaven is different for men and women at times. So I think that is the heart of the question that as a woman, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the, the idea of having the purest form of like an unabridged version of intimacy. Um, that's exciting. That's a great word. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah totally. Really helpful. Okay, uh, let's go to the next one. And this one, Simone, you can, ta- you can tag this one. On last week's podcast, Simone talked about needing imagination when spending an extended period of time in prayer. I often have a hard time listening to and discerning God's voice in prayer. How do we, arguably unimaginative, humans discern between God's voice and our own imagination slash self-talk? The first thing that comes to mind when I, when I saw this was to think about how to engage your right brain. And um, I think naturally, maybe it's more of a Western thing, but we tend to be more left brain, which is the more logical, more linear part of our brain, where the right brain is where we engage with more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, the arts, right. Right. And so to use your imagination takes some skill set from the right side of your brain. Um, And so... Again, it takes practice. It's a discipline similar to what we said about in question one, um, some of these spiritual disciplines. And um, a lot of times 
that's why you have to practice them is because they're not natural to us. And so to engage, I mean, literally, if you Googled how to engage the right side of my brain, um, you would find some things like exercise and t certain types of yoga and performing arts and even singing loudly, like you said, Kelly, is a, is a way of engaging the right side of our brain. Um, and that helps stimulate the imagination. So I would tell this person, if you find yourself unimaginable, you just have to you have to practice. You have to work at it. It has to be intentional. And there are a lot of good resources available to us um, on how to... With one of my favorite books that I read as a, when I had small children was The Whole Brain Child. Do you oh, guys yeah. know that book? I've oh, heard of it. I oh, haven't read so it. it's so good. But it's applicable to us even as adults. Using both sides of our brains mm. um, makes us more well-rounded. That's good. the first, that was the, so add to that because that was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. No, it's good. I, do, you, do you guys test the things that you feel like you hear right away? Like when you feel like you hear something, um, because I feel like I've never heard God's audible voice. I think uh, some people have. Um, but when you hear something, you get a sense, you get even a, kind of a descriptive sentence. Um, do you test it right away? Do you say, okay, was that from God or was that from me? I have heard from the Lord in ways that I didn't feel needed to be tested. I was so convinced it was from the Lord. Yeah. Um, now, I should also say that what I believed I heard from the Lord was absolutely consistent with Scripture. Um, so there's a testing there. Uh, but I didn't bounce it off anybody. At the same time, I will bounce things off Sherry if, if I'm, um, or others that I, you know, trust and, yeah, bounce them off you guys. Oftentimes in worship, we'll be bouncing things off each other, like, what are you sensing going on? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you believe is needed in this moment? That type of thing, so. And I, you bring it up because I think it's a valuable way to discern whether I'm simply imaginative right and this is self-talk yeah, or if it's the voice of the lord yeah good point. i kind of have like a file cabinet of stuff that i put you know it's like the thought comes in and then i i think like man that could have been from the lord and then and then i think uh sometimes i'll just get a strong sense and i'll do that was just you and i'll <laughs> file it there mm. or sometimes it'll be like well of that whether it's from the lord or not it's true Mm -hmm. Like it's scripturally, biblically true. So I'm going to file it in this one. Or sometimes it's just an over, I don't know, for me, it, it feels a little more holistic, I guess, of mm -hmm. a feeling when, it, when I feel like I've gotten a word from the Lord. Um, I don't know. It, it, mm -hmm. <sighs> have you ever have experienced a time where you, you felt like this was, a, this was a clear communication from God on a topic? Yeah, lots. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was going to say the same thing all the time. Okay. The like, the like, um, I, I think we, I mean, I tease that out a little bit. Like, like, um, I've, I haven't had a moment where I go like, did anybody else hear that? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, was that a public voice? Mm. Like a, like a Jonah experience right. or something mm -hmm. like that. This but is I, God. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or Jesus, you know. When, when he was baptized and everybody heard and right. it was like that was the voice of God. I definitely ha have heard things I would say in my spirit that connect with my mind that God is encouraging me or speaking to me or challenging me or, or, or um, sharing something with me. I don't want to like over, I, I don't know if that's where the line comes between is that just me thinking about it? It's hard for me to explain to explain the difference because there's definitely, to your point, Matt, there's definitely times where I have been thinking about things and then I, I feel like that's the right either thing to say or the decision to make or whatever it is that I don't feel are fully like God's directive in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then there are other things that feel very similar to that in my, in, inside of myself or in my spirit that I know that are that this is from God to make that decision or to say that word to that person or, or whatever that, that may be. Does that make sense? Yep. I stay with it a long time too. Like I don't let the thought go mm -hmm. if I think it's from me. Like if I start to question and just wonder, wait, is that just something I, I conjured up? I'll stick with it for a long time in my mind. Mm -hmm. I and, love that because I think we actually need to practice this and practice is totally. the nice way to say fail at it. Mm -hmm. I think we need to 
take risks that we, based on the fact we, we know he's speaking to us, he's leading us, he's active in our lives, so we're going to act as best we know how on uh, his leading in our lives, which means sometimes we're going to miss it. And so you're saying you'll stick with it. You'll test it. You'll work it over. You, I'll keep asking over yeah. and over. Like, yeah, and I'll, yeah, and I'll what think about it this? from all kinds of angles. And right. most of the time when I go that far with it, it's like, yeah, that's from me. Mm. You know, so. All right. Um, let's go. Let's go to the next one. And this is the last one. In covering Revelation 21 to 22, how does Revelation 21, 8 and 22, 14 fit into the sermon? There was a great detail There was great detail given to what heaven will be like for those who put their faith in Jesus, but what about the warning found in these verses? What are we to make of these verses? Right. So, along with the description of heaven, both Revelation 21 and 22 offer short lists of those who will and will not participate in heaven. And we know both groups by their behavior. Just as we know a tree by its fruit, those who will participate in heaven are described as children of God, for example as victorious, that is, overcoming the temptations of this world and the work of the evil one. And those who do not participate in heaven, those who don't enter, are described as cowardly, unbelieving, vile, murderers, sexually immoral, those that practice magic, divination is another biblical word, idolaters, liars. And so Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, and chapter 22, verse 14, offer some distinctives uh, differences between those that go to heaven and those that go to hell are not involved in heaven. So what are we to make of these lists? I've, I've got just a couple thoughts here. Number one, when lists are offered in the New Testament, I never take them as exhaustive. They, so there are attributes of those who are heaven-bound, and there are sins of those who are, are going to hell that are not included in these lists. I point that out simply because we have a tendency to move towards lists uh, as exhaustive and say, well, I haven't done these three things, so I must be good to go. <laughs> the second thing I would say is, there are evi- these are evidentiary, they're not causative. That is to say, these lists reflect rather than determine one's eternal destiny. We know that God's grace and his gift of faith is the only causative agent in our eternal destiny. Mm -hmm. And that without God's grace and without the gift of faith, no one would see God. No one would be in his presence. Finally, I'd say these are offered as an encouragement and a warning. So what are we to do? What are we to make of these lists? We're to be victorious. We're to be courageous. By saying no to the behaviors listed in this passage, the unbelieving lifestyle, Uh, By saying no to being vile and murderous and sexually immoral and practicing the magic arts and being idolaters, right? But we're not to think that doing these things are going to earn us heaven. Yeah. We say no because of God's grace, his work in our lives, not so that God's grace will work in our lives. So they're to be encouraging, they're to be warning, and they're to spur us on to love and good deeds, I would say. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering questions that are specific about Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Boom. Prophecy.